morning, good morning. I, uh, yes, if you didn't know me, you do now, of course. I, I uh, co-pastor along with my husband, Jim. And uh, yes, he is telling the truth. He told you before he told me that I would be on the rotation. I was sitting on the front row going, what? But um, anyway, I thought he was joking and he wasn't joking. <laughs> so, um, but it is always an honor and a privilege and um, I'm excited to be here and to get the opportunity um, you know, it's funny, he was talking about Christmas shopping and in the middle, because, you know, I, I don't do it as often. And so the week of preparation for me is like, okay, I cannot do anything else. This is my focus, you know. Um, and so in the middle of it, a couple of times I thought, oh my gosh, I need to be Christmas shopping. And, I, and, I, and then I thought, did he, did he plan this on purpose, like in the middle so that I'm not shopping for a whole entire week? Like, did he do this on purpose? Um, anyway, but he's, he's been a great support. I, this past, uh, or actually yesterday on Saturday, he had, um, he had all the kids. He had a birthday party to go to. He had a basketball game. And so I, I met him at the basketball game and then I was like, I had to slip out a few minutes early to get ready for the Saturday evening service, and and uh, and I said, okay, well, I'll uh, I'll see you later. I'm I'm heading to the office, and he had all the kids. I'm like, you got this, and uh, so it was kind of nice to switch switch places a little bit. I'm like, you you got this. It's good. Um, but anyway, but I could not do it without his love and support, and you know, just it is an honor and a privilege, and for him to allow me to get up here and share and to share this pulpit with you is uh, with him um, is a is a great great honor and so I love you honey thank you for that well I'm excited yes he's a great support um, I'm excited about this message uh, I feel like it's a really timely message for this time of year and uh, and really it's just so easy uh, it's it's timely for this time of year but it's applicable to all year long and so it's just really easy even in this day and age for us to um, look at other people's lives and see what other people have and and want what they have and and I really enjoy um, Pinterest as well you know they have those those nailed it photos, you know, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen those or not, but really it's, if you've seen pictures of these amazing, perfectly made Christmas cookies, or maybe it's a Christmas craft or something like that. And then they have another picture where a real human being tried to, to duplicate and make the same thing. And it's the picture of both side by side. And so I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but, um, and then just begin to compare what you made to what the actual picture looked like. It, it would be something kind of like this. I don't know. Uh, and honestly, you know, the truth is, is I would be proud of the bottom picture. Like the bottom picture is not that bad, right? I'm like, they did a pretty good job. But until you compare it to the top one, and then you're like, that's terrible. That is so terrible, right? Or maybe you have seen those cute little baby photos and you have a, have a baby and you think, oh my goodness, it's Christmas time. And you've seen those cute little photos where they're smiling and all they have on is their diaper. And, and you're like, I'm gonna get my little Johnny to do the same thing and it's gonna be so much fun. And, and this is what happens when you try that, right? <laughs> it's like, it's, that's just real life, right? 
Or maybe like my favorite is the Christmas family photos because I think probably it's one of my own struggles. I'm like, I have this vision in my head. And then when it comes out, I'm like, why did that not turn out the way that it was supposed to? Or while we're doing it, we're trying to snap pictures in between. I think this last time we even brought a football, we brought things like in between just to try to keep it natural and to see if we could, you know, get a couple of smiles in there. And so it's easy when you look at pictures like this, you get on Pinterest and you're like, oh, I cannot wait. Let's go have family photos. We're going to, it's going to be so much fun. And you see these siblings and it's awesome. And then you take your photos and they look like this next picture. Like that's the reality of it right there, right? I know. And then it's, and then I don't know how many of you, we had photos with Santa last week. Did y'all enjoy that? How many of you got photos with Santa? Yes. Okay. Well, I saw long lines. Um, I saw long lines at the photos with Santa. And I know you probably saw some like this and you thought it's going to be so much fun. And all the the men are saying, it was fun. It's going to be fun, she said. It's going to be fun. Let's go get pictures with Santa. So I saw all the families standing in line and then you go and get your photos, right? You're like, it's going to be good. And then they end up like this right here. It's like, he's not going to hurt you. It's just Santa. It's going to be okay. I don't know how many of you can relate to that, right? It's all over Facebook and Instagram and, you know, just constantly comparing Um, you know, our lives with others. And the truth is we'll never be content on the inside if we're constantly comparing our lives with others and what they're doing and what they have um, on that, what we see on the outside. I love it. Um, You know, those pictures are always so humbling, but I love it because it is, it is reality. It's reality versus that highlight reel that we always talk about. And we talk about it, we're aware of it, but somehow it still seems to snare us. And then we start to feel um, discouraged and we start to feel frustrated about our life because it doesn't look like what someone else has. And the truth is a lot of times we're content until we see what someone else has, right? So it's easy to do, it's something easy to do, and we all struggle with it at some point, whether it's our job, our kids, our marriage, ministry, our finances, at some point or another, we're gonna all struggle with that comparison. The enemy, you know, it started with Adam and Eve. She was content until he came as the accuser saying, he's holding something from you. Why can't you eat from that tree, right? It's like she could have anything in the garden. Here comes the enemy. Well, his tactics haven't changed. We're content until he comes saying, but look what you don't have. Why would God withhold that from you, right? That's what, that he loves to do that. And really comparison is from the enemy for one main reason. And that's because the moment we start to compare, then we take our eyes off of God and we put them onto ourselves. So whether we're comparing and we feel less than or we're comparing and we feel better than, we have, taken, we have taken God and removed him from that rightful place, that first position in our lives, and we have suddenly become the focus. We turn our focus from God and back on ourselves. And so I'm excited this morning um, just because I just feel like it's such a, it's a good word um, to talk about the comparison trap. 
And you know, when we fall into this trap, there's really three main things that can happen. Um, and it's just dangerous. I feel like it's dangerous because a lot of times we're not even aware of it. That's why it's called the comparison trap because the enemy will trap us and we don't even realize what's happening. And so I just wanna bring some things to our awareness. The first thing we have to know is that comparison kills contentment. Contentment is when we're, we're satisfied, we're feeling fulfilled, and really it's about the peace of God in our lives. It's about being at peace with where we are in life, being at peace with who God has called us to be, being at peace with the journey and the life that he has given us. And, um, and then when we start to compare, we find ourselves, we're no longer satisfied. We're no longer content with the life that God has given us, and so we become discontent, right? We become discontent. And I love this scripture in Philippians. You know, the background is is that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and the church in Philippi was one of the early churches that he helped to build. Now he's in prison, and they are some of his main supporters. They're sending financial support to him in prison, and he's writing back to them, telling them, thank you for, for their support, but he's also encouraging them. He's encouraging them as a church. He's in prison, and he starts to encourage this church and the body of believers. And so in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, it says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I love the part that it says Paul learned to be content, meaning, he did, meaning that it didn't come to him naturally. He's in prison and probably struggling with a lot of things, and he's learning. He's telling the church, he's encouraging them to say, look, I've learned to be content, and here I am in prison, and he's encouraging them. And he says, and he relied on God's strength to do it. I love that part. You know, it is Christmas season, and, and so as Pastor Jim said, we love to, you know, it's this, the season of giving. We love to give gifts, and we're doing toy drives, but we have to be honest. We love to get gifts, right? I mean, come on. I think women, do we like to get gifts? We do. Yes, we love to get gifts. You better say that, or you're not going to have anything under the tree, like trying to help you out, right? So well, we love to get gifts, and when we talk about um, just comparison and uh, I think about when sometimes if we've opened a gift, right? Maybe our husband has gotten us a vacuum cleaner. Like, not just any vacuum cleaner, but it is like, right, it is like the new upgraded model vacuum cleaner or maybe that new kitchen appliance that you have been wanting. It's gonna make your life easier. You are so excited about this kitchen appliance and, and you're pumped about it. Like, it's like the latest model, the real deal, right? Would y'all be excited about that? Like, something to make your life easier. You're like, finally, I get this. Until... You go to work, right? And then you have that coworker and she starts talking about these diamond earrings that her husband went out and bought her. Isn't that romantic? So nice, right? And then he goes to downtown Houston and drives all the way to downtown Houston and he fights traffic and he fights the other shoppers and he finds these perfect, the exact pair of shoes that she's been wanting. 
and you're like, okay, I, I was content with my vacuum cleaner until I had to hear her story. I don't understand. And then all of a sudden, as we start to compare our gift, which we were once content with, our gift with, with what we've been told, we start to compare ourselves. And then all of a sudden we're like, yeah, you know, it kind of just like takes the little, the little uh, kind of like bust the bubble a little bit, right? Then you start to compare and you're like, what? I just, you're right, you know, I just told him two weeks ago, like I really wanted these boots when we were in the mall. I wonder why he didn't just go get me those boots. Like, you know, and I just thought, gosh, he, I, you know, I don't know why, why wouldn't he have done that for me? I'm not like, hmm, and you start thinking about it and you start thinking about it. And what starts off as a comparison now it's my, my spouse doesn't love me as much as he could. Well, you know what? He didn't do the dishes either. And I asked him to do the laundry the other day and he didn't get, so then all of a sudden, it's just all these things that are lining up and it all started with a comparison when you were really content to begin with. And that's why we fall into the comparison trap and we start, it causes, the enemy is slick because what starts off as something small, he will slip in there and it will become that we're dissatisfied. We're dissatisfied with our marriage. We're dissatisfied with our spouse. We're dissatisfied with the life that God has given us all because we did not learn to be content. In verse 13, Paul is talking about learning to be content. And at the end he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this is a very common scripture. It's a very common scripture. You see it on chalkboards and mugs and t-shirts. And I, you know, we say it all the time. But you know, as I was preparing, I was thinking, you know, it's funny, I feel like we use this scripture a lot when it's something that we want to do, when it's a task that we want to accomplish. I can remember signing up for my first uh, 5K. I think I've done two, so it's like, don't be too impressed. I'm like, so, but I signed up for the first one and I was, I was excited, but I was nervous. And I was like, okay, Lord, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or maybe it's a job, a new job, and you're nervous about it, but you're stepping into this new job that you're excited about. Or maybe it's a new role in ministry and you're saying, God, I can do all things. I can do this thing that you've called me to do. But I thought how often do we use this same scripture when it's something that we don't want to do? You know, when you look back at the scripture, Paul's, Paul is not, it's, it's not even used in a physical sense. He's not trying to complete a task. He's not even trying to break out of jail. He's just sitting there with nothing and he's saying, and saying, I can do, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like I, I can do this. I can fight these thoughts of discontentment. I can fight these thoughts that are gonna drive me crazy, amen? Because it's really about a mental state. For him, it was about his thoughts. It was about contentment when he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I love, you know, Philippians is referred to as the book of joy. Did y'all know that? It's the book of joy. And it's, there's only four chapters, but it has rejoice or joy listed 16 times in those four chapters. And you're, it's a man who is sitting in prison who is encouraging a church who is in on the outside walls. So we have to know that comparison kills contentment. The second, the second thing is comparison leaves us prideful. Comparison will not only give us, can not only give us a low self-esteem when we start to compare ourselves with others, but it can also 
it can also make us think that we are better than we are. So we start to compare ourselves with others, you know, and it's real easy. The enemy loves pride. That was his downfall, and he would love to slip that in wherever he can and it for, for it to be our downfall as well. And it's easy to say, well, I don't, I don't deal with pride. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not even really that confident. Like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm prideful. But I would have to ask, and, and for you to just think, have I ever said these words? Well, at least I don't. Or, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Because we're comparing ourselves, right? We're comparing ourselves. Or, or at least I don't. Sometimes we can compare ourselves to our spouse. And we think we're the better spouse because, well, at least I don't do that. Or at least I don't parent the kids this way. Or at least I go to work and get up and do this and this. Cause, but we're comparing ourselves and we're thinking of ourselves better than we are, which is what comparison does. I want to look at Luke in chapter 18. And I love this because it's Luke, it's Luke, the story of Luke, and so it's his account of what happened. And Jesus, when Jesus is telling a parable, but he kind of calls uh, the people that he's talking to out first, which I thought was kind of funny. It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So this is the parable that, this is the people that this parable is for. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I have. So he's saying, I fast and I even tithe and he's praying and he's saying, well, at least I'm not like them, right? But the tax collector stood at a distance which means he stood at a distance. It means he, he wasn't wanting everyone else to hear his prayers. He stood back to have this moment alone with God. And he said, it said he wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me. I am a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. God wants us to be humble and it would be much better for us to admit our faults and to walk humbly and allow God to honor us in the appropriate timing and, and in the right time rather than for us to do it prematurely. You know, I think, I can't help but think in this Christmas season as we're shopping, anybody, you know, he was talking about shopping out there and you hear, has anybody heard any kids screaming just while they're in the store? I mean, I don't, am I like the only one like kids screaming, right? And that's what it, kind of what it reminds me of. Like you would think someone is trying to kidnap this child, right? Like they are screaming in the store and immediately your response is, what? in the world like what is happening right now right and you're like why don't why doesn't that mom j just give the kid the sucker like why doesn't that mom or I would just I mean he just needs this or he just needs that or I would just do this right where it's real easy for us to just compare what we would do and and kind of think that we would handle that situation better um until I've thought that before myself until you go into the store with your little angels, right? And then you're telling them no for something that they want and you're telling them no. It's like, well, we've already, we just had ice cream 30 minutes ago and they're asking for candy and you're telling them to wait till dinner, right? Just wait till dinner. 
we don't need anything else. We just had ice cream. And their response is, like you just told them that they will never have another piece of candy in their life again. Like, it's over, kid. You're not getting any more candy. And they are laid out. They are upset because you have told them no, which is probably what happened to the lady, right, that you heard screaming. This is probably exactly what happened. And I I can remember I've had lots of experiences, lots of stories. Um, Whenever I was homeschooling, it was just a couple of years ago. I had all four kids at home and, um, and remember it very well. And we didn't have deliver groceries. Like you could get your groceries delivered from HEB or curbside pickup from Walmart and Kroger's. I'm like, what in the world? Like that would have changed my life. And uh, when I started public school, that's when they started all that. And uh, I can remember the grocery store trip would take all day long. Like I just knew that was the one task on my agenda. And if I accomplished it with my sanity, it was a win, right? It was a win. Yes, I know. Thank you. I have a few people. Yes. So it was a win. But I can remember going through the store and, you know, the lower part of the buggy, under the buggy, my kids would... Um, which, and they still do, all this stuff I'm talking about, they still do. So they, they get underneath there, right, with their legs hanging out. And so they're like knocking stuff off the shelf as I turn the corner. And I'm worried that the girl's hair is gonna get caught in the wheel as we, I'm like, you're, or I'm rolling over it, you know, and they're screaming. Like, and they're screaming because I've rolled over their hair. Or, you know, when we go to Costco, I don't know how many of you love, your kids love Costco with all those nice, neat pallets and stacks of things for them to climb on. And they're like playing superhero and hiding behind things. And I mean, is that just my kids? Y'all are, okay. I'm just like, it's just, just mine, just the pastor's kids. That's all. It's just us, honey. It's just us. And uh, I remember when Caden was finally big enough, because I needed two buggies. And if I didn't want them to climb on the stuff and I put them all in the buggy, then I don't have room for groceries, right? I don't have any room for groceries. So I remember when Caden was just big enough and I'm like, come on, buddy, you can do it. Just push the buggy. He's trying, he can't even hardly see over the top round. He's like pushing like this, trying to, and, it, and we would even have conversations before we went into the store, right? I don't know how many of you do that thinking that it's gonna help. Like, okay, listen, we're gonna go in, but we're not getting anything extra today. Like we're not gonna get anything extra, so don't ask, right? Yes. Okay. So I'm then finally, I'm like, my kids, my kids, like, I don't know about yours, but they have the negotiation skills like a Navy SEAL. I'm like, I don't understand. They need, they could all pass the bar exam to be a defense lawyer, (laughs) defense lawyer for sure. And so I'm like, for the fifth time to the fourth kid, I said, no, I'm like, do the math. That's 20 times, 20 times. I tell them all the time. Okay, I have four kids. So if I say three times to put your shoes up, I'm like, do y'all realize three times four is 12 that I just said 12 times <laughs> to put your shoes up? So 20 times as we leave the store. So I'm mad, they're crying, everybody's frustrated. So the thing is, is then we get into the parking lot and I just run into somebody who started going to our church. I'm like getting on to them, you know, and, and I turn around, I'm like, oh, hey, awesome. Yes, that's great. It's been this huge, this wonderful grocery experience. I love that because I've, I'm reminded of those things. And so I no longer compare. I no longer judge because it's just like the scripture said, whenever we exalt ourselves, life has a way of humbling us. I've been humbled. 
I have been humbled, amen, yes, I do not judge. I'm like, that's probably exactly what happened to that woman when I heard her kids screaming and I was like, why don't they just do this? Because <laughs> it was the 20th time she said that. <laughs> Yes, so anyway, I have learned and, and that life has a way of humbling us. The third thing is, is that comparison leaves us jealous. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, it says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body and jealousy is like cancer in the bones. The thing with cancer is that it can spread to other areas of our life. It can spread to, I mean, of our body. It can start in one area and it can spread and, and damage other organs and other areas in our life that weren't even related to the first spot and even causing it can, to be deadly, depending on which kind of cancer it is. And the scripture's telling us that that's exactly like jealousy. We can open, start to compare and open up the door in our lives and in our hearts to jealousy and it can cause severe damage. It can cause damage to other areas in our life and we don't even, it's not even connected. We don't even realize it, how much our life has been impacted by starting just comparison and eventually leading to spiritual death in our relationship with Jesus. You see destruction and comparison with comparison and jealousy all throughout the Bible. And it really starts off with, it really starts out with Satan. Satan is comparing himself to God. He's jealous of God in the beginning. And that's why he is cast out and cast down from heaven. And then you see Cain and Abel. And Cain was jealous of the favor that God gave Abel whenever they presented their sacrifices to God. He favored Abel's and Cain was jealous and he ended up murdering his brother Abel. And then you see Joseph and his brothers and Joseph had favor with their father and then Joseph even had a dream right he had a dream and he's excited and he's sharing this dream with his brothers and family and you know which should be safe right our brothers and sisters in Christ we have this dream that God's birthed on the inside of us and we're excited we're sharing it well and, and Joseph his brothers they were jealous they ended up selling him into slavery and so it's hard. Sometimes it can be hard seeing others blessed and, and just even being promoted. Sometimes being promoted in ministry, it can be hard. Your heart wants to be happy for them, but there's a part of you that it is difficult. And we, it is easy to start to compare. Sometimes we can, um, even in ministry, you know, we can think about why did they get promoted to be coach over that department? Or, you know, why did, they, why did they get to lead huddle this morning? Or why did they get to, why did they get the award for the uh, Dream Teamer of the Year at the gala this year? Like, like, I get up early, I get to church early, I stay late, I, I pay my tithes. How come they're getting promoted? As we start to compare the blessing and what's happening in their lives with our own lives, and even as pastor talks about finances, as I'm preparing, I couldn't help but think how some of you, it may be in a tight, uh, this may be a tight financial season for you. And as he's talking about the blessing of God and financial blessings and all the things that are happening, what you might be feeling or what the enemy might be trying to attack you with as you compare your season with theirs. And it's easy just to say, why does it seem like that everything else is going right in their life? Like, why does it seem like all these doors of opportunity are opening and their job is flourishing and, and their ministry is flourishing and they just keep 
like just being promoted. It just seems like this beam of favor is on them. And you're comparing that with everything that you're seeing in your life that is not going well. But the truth is, it's just, it's a, compa- it's a comparison trap. It's a trap that the enemy wants to get you in so that there's seeds of jealousy that he can plant into your life. And the truth is, a lot of times when we do that and we compare ourselves to someone else's promotion or opportunity, we have no idea the price that they paid to get where they're at. We didn't see. <clears throat> it's good. You know, we didn't see, we look at their marriage and we think, man, that's awesome. And, and they're just, they get along so well and they seem to work things out. But you weren't there for the hundred hours of counseling when they refused to give up. And, those, and they both decided that they weren't going to be selfish and they were going to set aside their own, their own thoughts or their own pride and they were going to put their spouse before them. You didn't see that part. All you see is the blessing. Or maybe you didn't see, you, you didn't see whenever they were promoted in ministry, the time that they have spent on their knees before God praying and just being open and saying, God, whatever you want me to do, or the financial blessing of them coming together and praying as a couple and believing and sowing seed and and really stretching forward their faith. And now you're seeing the fruit of what uh, the fruit of their labor. And so, but the enemy wants to come and just put that seed of jealousy in your life. And I, I, I have to I love this. It says, when we resent the goodness of God we see in others' lives, we are blinded to God's blessing in our own lives. The truth is God loves you. He, is, he doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have favorites. He loves you. He wants to bless you. There is blessing in your life. But when you are looking and comparing your life to someone else's, you are blind to it. You can't even see the blessing that God is giving you. And so it, comparison will hinder what God wants to do in your life. It will com- hinder what he wants to do through you. He has great plans for you, but it will hinder you. And so before we close, I have a few things that I want to share to to help you live without comparison. We talked about the damage, but now I want to share a few things about how to live without comparison. And the first one is just trust God. The number one thing is to live without comparison is we constantly have to turn turn our thoughts to, I trust God. When Paul was in prison, he said, I have to trust God. I have to trust God. And in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And in Isaiah 55, it says, his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. It says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, his ways are higher than our ways. It means that he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. His ways, his thoughts, and everything that he plans for you is so, is so far above anything that we can comprehend in our infinite minds. And so it we spend our time trying to figure it out as we compare but really, we just have to trust God. We just have to trust God. You know, I think about whenever uh, Jim and I moved, first moved to Houston, 
and uh, we were looking for a house. And we lived with Pastor Steve and Stephanie when we first moved to Houston. It was a little overwhelming. Um, we were looking for a full-time job in ministry, but he was working bivocational at the time, doing a job that he didn't, wasn't really familiar with or didn't know a whole lot about and uh, was learning. He, well, actually, you, knew, you did know some, but he was learning some of that job. And uh, we lived upstairs. So our family, we had a, a four-month-old. Caden was two or three at the time. And we lived upstairs. They had no kids no kids. We lived upstairs. I don't know if you've ever been in a hotel or you live in an upstairs, uh, you have a, a home with stairs, but uh, the, the boys and, uh, you know, they would go up and down the stairs. And I mean, he was just a happy, jolly little three-year-old, two-year-old boy, right? I mean, he was just having a good old time up there. And they're, of course, working 12 hours, you know, and, and uh, un- lived on the bottom part. And, um, but we were really, really knew that it was time. Like, okay, we were so blessed, but it was time for us to find a house. And we looked and looked and looked, and we were trying to find the right place with, for the right price. It seemed like if we found a right place, then that we would want to bring the kids up in and are, are a good, good school, then... Um, then it wasn't the right price. And so finally, we were just frustrated. We were frustrated, we were discouraged, and we just said, okay, we're just gonna quit. Like, we're just gonna quit looking, we're gonna quit trying, and we're gonna trust God. So probably just about three weeks later, um, Jim was a part of a... um, mentorship and it was time for graduation. So we flew all the way out of state to Virginia and in Virginia, I'll never forget it. It was before it started and we were mingling and talking and he goes, he says, honey, I'm going to go to the restroom. I say, okay. So I'm, I'm standing here talking and I'm having a conversation with this man that owns a rent house in Richmond, Texas. And he is saying, and we're having this conversation, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, God, are you serious right now? Like, I flew to Virginia, (laughs) and you have me meet this man who has a rent house in Richmond, Texas, in River Park West, who it's four bedrooms, it had an office, everything that we were looking for on a cul-de-sac. In my mind, I'm thinking, God, is this really you? And so he tells me how much it is, and I'm like, well, you know, we really can't afford that. And he's like, just go look at it, just go look at it. And so of course, I'm like, yes, it's perfect. It's exactly what we need. He worked it out and we moved in. We found our house after flying to Virginia, after we gave up and said, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna trust God. So the first thing we have to do is just trust God. Like sometimes we are frustrated, we are leaning on our own way and God is saying, just trust me. And so the moment we did that was whenever God came through. The second one is recognize what you have. You know, it's so important just to recognize and be thankful for what God has given you. You know, you're, like, like your mama always says, I always try to throw like a mama quote in there. Like your mama always says, count your blessings. Be sure and count your blessings. Be thankful. You know, we talked about Paul earlier that he learned to be content, which means he disciplined himself. He disciplined himself to be content. In Philippians 4.4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, says the man in prison, says the man with nothing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Because he found freedom and true joy 
because he recognized what he had. And at that time, it wasn't a whole lot, but he found what he had, which is, was his relationship with Jesus. He found that he had God. He's, and so he's, he's encouraging the church, like, like look, you, if you don't have anything else, you have your relationship with God. God has blessed you. Look at what he's blessed you with. <laughs> Philippians 4, 8, he's saying, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Paul is saying, don't fall into the comparison trap. Don't be distracted out there. Don't be distracted out there with what else is going on. He's saying, choose to recognize what you have and focus on the good. Focus on what is lovely. Focus on what is admirable in your spouse and in your marriage. Focus on what is praiseworthy at your job. Focus on what is pure and lovely and right. You know, whenever uh, Jim and I, first got married, we, we, and still do, we, our strengths are opposites. And so when we first got married, that could be a real, um, just a real test or season of just frustration because you're like, well, it would be so much easier if he was like this, right? Or it would be so much easier to do this if she was like that, right? Where we start to, we start to get frustrated because things are not what we, what we want, but really, you know, fast forwarding, I know he's laughing, fast forwarding, fast forwarding it, but really we just, neither one of us changed. We still have the same gifts and the same personality. I mean, God created us the way we are, right? We haven't changed, but we've learned to, we have learned to recognize what we have in each other. And, you know, I can remember filling out um, a paper. Uh, I don't even, I don't remember what it was, like a questionnaire, but it was saying, what are some of the challenges, the most challenges that you have with your spouse, or you could say with a certain relationship? And I could list these things. And do you know, the next question says, what are some of the best things? What are some of the things that you love the most? And they were the same thing. They're the exact same thing. So it's not, that we, it's not that we have changed. We've learned to recognize what we have. And now, instead of it being a frustration, I love those things. They are my favorite. Yes. <laughs> They are those things. And so what I have come to realize though is it's what I needed. God knew I was sitting there frustrated saying I want it this way, but God's like, no, I know what you need. This is what you need. And this is why I've placed you together. And there's gifts and there's strengths in him that you don't have. And so quit fighting it. Just recognize what you have to be content. It's, you know, um, sorry. So except who you are, Ephesians 2.10 the third one is um, accepting who you are. This is the last point. And for you to live content and just to really not compare. When you start to compare, you know, you have to recognize who you are. You have to trust God. But then lastly, really is so important is just accepting who you are. And Ephesians 2.10, it says, For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. 
You are his workmanship. You are his handiwork. God created you specifically. And I know that we talk a lot about that each and every week as we talk about our next steps process that we do. And it's so true, but there's a reason for that, for that, that spiritual gifts assessment and that personality assessment. It's because we're, we want you to discover how God designed you. When you start to compare yourself with others, you don't have anything to go on that's when we fall into that comparison trap because you don't know, you're not aware of how God made you. You're not aware of those gifts that he's placed inside of you or the personality that he's given you, these quirks and these things that make you think the way, excuse me, the, the, the way that you think. And the reason is because it's like God created you to be you. I love, I love this quote. It says, why are you comparing yourself to others? You are the only person in the world that can be you. You're the only person in this world. You're the only person in this world that can be you. You know, I remember before we launched this church and we were part of another ministry that had been around for since, and I had been under their leadership for probably, um, I don't know, since I was a teenager for 20 something years. Um, and the, the female lead pastor, she preached and she sang and she played the keys and she decorated and, and did big events and all of these things that I just continue to compare myself to, to say, I can't do that. I can't do that and I can't do that. And so I thought, how am I going to ever advance in ministry? Because we did have a heart for ministry when I cannot do any of those things. And the truth is it's because I wasn't called to do those things. I wasn't called to sing. I love to sing. I wish I could sing, but I wasn't called to sing. I wasn't called to play keys. I could learn to play keys. Do I feel like that's my gift? I don't. And even in the preaching and the speaking, as, as, I, as I have stepped out just in this last year, it still doesn't look like what I was comparing myself to because I wasn't called to do that. I was called to do this and what God has called me to do and I feel like it's the same for you. I, I just, my heart was burdened. Yes. <laughs> my heart was burdened just for you this morning as, as, as it's so easy to fall into the comparison trap. I feel that I have missed some opportunities in my life. And I feel like some of you may be on the verge of missing opportunities in your life because you're comparing yourself and you're saying, I can't do that. You're looking at someone else saying, I can't do that. You may be you know, looking at Pastor Jim, he's, he's a great pastor, he's a great leader, but it's, he's running his lane. You can be inspired by him and learn from him, but if you're comparing yourself to him, then you're not doing, you're not in your lane doing what God has called you to do. And I, I wanted, I shared this, I did not share it Saturday, um, but I wanted to share this. I really felt like it was on my heart as I was preparing for this message. And I literally just wrote down, word about men if I have time. And, and I just, I want to just um, speak to the men for a moment. I have had a, a burden in my heart and really feel like, you know, even Pastor Jim has spoke to Pastor Brian and the team and they've just been talking, you know, about getting a men's night together like the ladies did. And uh, they're just a little jealous, it's okay. And um, anyway, but really just gathering the men. And uh, as I wrote that, it was because I feel like there are men 
that haven't stepped out because you are comparing yourself instead of focusing on God and and what God has called you to do and the lane that he's called you to run in. Maybe you're comparing yourself to your father and you're thinking, well, at least I'm better than he is. Well, at least I'm better than what he's doing. But the truth is God has called you to do even greater things. The question is, is are you doing what God has called you to do? There's things on the inside of you. He's empowered you. He didn't empower you and place gifts on the inside of you to be like your father or to be like Pastor Jim. He's called you and empowered you to be like you. You're the only person that can be you. Some of you may be comparing yourself to your father and thinking, I can't live up to that. I can't do what he's what he's done. I can't lead the business or the ministry like he has led the business or the ministry. But you know what? He hasn't called you to lead the business or the ministry like him. He's called you to lead it like he would have you lead it. I feel like that is such a powerful word and I I hope that you would grab a hold of that this morning. I really feel like this next year, God is going to just elevate the men in our church, amen? Praying and believing that it is gonna be a year where men are stepping out, where they're no longer comparing themselves with others, but they're trusting God and relying on Him and really discovering the lane and what God has called them to do, amen? Amen. Well, God, I wanna share this scripture as I close. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I'm just gonna pray a general prayer as Jim, Pastor Jim comes up to close. And um, just for you to know that he has planned for you. He loves you. He has plans to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. And and he doesn't pick and choose. That's for every single person here. He has a plan for you. And so I'm just, if you'll bow your heads, I'm gonna pray. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for, Lord, everyone here this morning. God, I I just repent, Father, any um, comparison, Lord. I pray, God, that if we have fallen into a comparison trap, God, that you would just awaken us. Let us be aware, Father, and let us see things clearly. Let us see things how you see them. Let us see the blessings and recognize what we have in our lives, what we have in our hands, the relationships that you've given us, maybe that we've taken for granted, Lord. God, I pray for everyone here, Lord, that they would just recognize, God, recognize what you have placed on the inside of them, that they would learn to trust you, to put their full trust in you, God, with with their faith, with their finances, with their family, God, that you would be in the right position, that rightful place in their lives, Lord. God, I just pray, Father, that they would, um, Lord, that they would have the courage to step out the courage to, to step out and do what you've called them to do because God, they can only, they are the only persons that can be them. Lord, I just pray, Father, that there is a new boldness and a new courage. Lord, that they are empowered as we end this year. God, I pray that this next year is a next year about empowerment and stepping out in courage to run their lane, Lord. God, we couldn't do it without you. God, we thank you, God, for your 
anointing. We thank you for your favor in our lives. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said...